From the Ben Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Phone Booth Fighting, a free weekly podcast covering the world of mixed martial arts and far, far beyond with myself, Richard Hunter, and the two-time UFC heavyweight champion, current Bellator heavyweight, your name is? I'm Frank Mir. I thought that was still. you. Frank, Frank Mir, still in the year 2019. And uh, today, Frank, we have uh, a couple of special guests with us. You will recognize the uh, familiar face of pro wrestler Austin Aries over there to my right. Hello. Good to see Austin. I, at this point, I don't think it's special anymore that I'm here. I appreciate you guys uh, extending the uh, yeah. invitation. Yeah. You keep bumming rides. Yeah, really cool. keep showing yeah. up. <laughs> You're special in a different way. No, this is true. That's right. The uh, R word. You and can't our, say that anymore. And a new friend, Frank. i got to introduce you to UFC commentator Brendan Fitzgerald. Brendan, thanks for coming in studio. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you. Brendan and I uh, kind of officially met uh, a month or so back doing a tour of the new UFC Apex uh, facility over there but brendan is uh uh ufc commentator i guess first and foremost your your uh introduction to everybody was through dana white's contender series it was yeah right that's the first thing he did yeah and we talked and i that's when they did the tour through the apex with local media yeah and then they made all of us uh available for media and richard was the only one that wanted to talk to me no was i the well that day i mean i know it's a lot of local media it wasn't mma media you know what i mean yeah you're kind of both yeah. So I was thankful. That people were like, all right, here's your spot, Brendan. Here's where all the people can come over and talk to you. I was like, nobody's going to talk to me <laughs> because I was in that world, like as local news. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to go and talk to the commentator. I'll talk to like Dana. They didn't. Sure. Well, Dana was making himself available. You talk to Dana. That's what fits on the uh on they, the news. they didn't do you any favors because what they did, you're right. I mean, obviously, Dana's not available every day. Uh, so if you do get an opportunity to talk to him, it, it, people are going to gravitate toward that. But they put him at the end of this gauntlet and you were first on the gauntlet so they literally made everybody parade right, by yeah. you yeah yeah. And it, oh, yeah no 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 it was fine i i just i kind of knew i was like hey uh i know people tomorrow want to talk to me the mma media but like the local media don't want to talk to me yeah you know it's like i, I know how the local news business works it's a yeah. half hour 11 o'clock news tonight yeah who are you going to fit 25 seconds for dana sure. or this guy you've never seen well see that's where whatever. that's where i come into play because i talk longer <laughs> there you than go. 25 seconds that's at right. a time i got a spot on your podcast that's right. here in person it's wonderful all right frank we got to get a couple of plugs out of the way before we start uh talking fights and we got a lot to get to in this uh episode first of all i want to mention our patreon page patreon.com forward slash phone booth fighting we haven't mentioned this in a while but uh we're breathing a lot of new life into this thing frank for just one dollar a month one dollar a month you heard me right uh you now get access to exclusive bonus content which includes extra content from each episode that we record before and after the show goes live also right now we've got two full-length 90-minute video specials up there uh, that we taped at the Laugh Factory in Chicago with Big John McCarthy and the L.A. Comedy Club here in Las Vegas with Chell Sonnen. You also get full-length video of our interview with Billy Bob Thornton we taped in his hotel room and our interview with comedian Ralphie May filmed in his dressing room just a few months before he passed away. You know what my thought about this, Frank, is people say, well, why is it just a dollar? I'm like, well, listen, UFC Fight Pass is $9.95. ESPN Plus is $4.99. You know, that's, we don't have that volume of content. So we say, look, it's a dollar. You're going to tip your barista at Starbucks a dollar unless you're super cheap. So we figure this is a good way to uh, support the show, and we funnel a bunch of extra content uh, toward you guys, including just uh, from a couple of weeks ago, we did like a whole 20-minute uh, segment on pro wrestling with Austin uh, for our pro that wrestling fans. potentially could cost me a lot more than a dollar. That's right. You uh, better hope uh, the hope wrong that, promoter doesn't subscribe yeah. to our Patreon page. Yeah, they could. Uh, I didn't know that we were going to be putting that up for uh, general yeah, consumption. We don't, we don't tip you off to and that. I, yeah, I don't even get a cut or anything. That's how, we get, the, uh, <laughs> that's how we get the candid comments. And uh, That's so, like the oh other boy. rule that I always have now that all, all the years of commentating yeah. is if there's a mic anywhere around me, you're on air. Assume it's on. Yeah, assume, assume, assume it's on. on. Absolutely. You don't want to get caught with a grabbing pussy no. type of expression. No, no. no. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a gun. You assume yeah. the gun's yeah, loaded. You assume, assume the gun is loaded. You're right. Yeah. You treat it like it's loaded. That's I always, right. Every mic, yeah. I see someone up there. You know, I mean, it could be the the uh, the, the broadcast. Um, excuse me. The uh, MC could be walking yeah. down. And if I see him, I'm like, 
Uh huh. You know what I mean? Just pointing that gun at me, Brendan. Yeah. You you've been in this game uh, quite a while before uh, UFC. Yeah. You got any good? I didn't know the mic was hot stories. No, I've been lucky. So, <laughs> kind of like waiting for my people ask me what's your most embarrassing moment on TV, uh-huh. and I just like thankfully I haven't had one yet. Yeah. But also not thankfully yeah. I haven't had one. Yeah. Yet, so like I don't know when it's coming. I think I told you guys mine, right? I'm not sure. Remind me. Mine happened when I was in Australia. I was working with Sam Greco. And another individual, I forgot the guy's name. He was a cool guy, but he mm-hmm. was like the, 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 the straight guy. And then uh, me and Sam were like the color. Mm-hmm. And, and Greco and I started talking about the word cunt. Now, he's an Australian. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, there. there, they call their buddy. Hey, cunt, yeah. what's up, cunt? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how they're talking and talking about different cultures. And so we go on. I'm like, oh, nah, man, in, in the States, man, that's the, the fighting words. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You call someone a cunt like that. You know, fuck. That, that's one of the magic words, mm-hmm. you know? And, and we probably said cunt about. 30 times yeah. in, in a five minute spiel, you know what I mean? Giving examples of the word, right. yeah. how we use it in different contexts. Yeah. <laughs> and the the production manager, because we'll, I guess to set it more, uh, we're getting ready to do the show opening. And they're like, okay, we're going to go live. You know, show turns on in like eight minutes. So we're just sitting there and just talking, you know what I mean? Bullshit. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, the guy comes running from outside <laughs> the fucking girt, screaming, you know what I mean? Like, the mics, the mics are, are open. So I, I guess whatever app they were showing the show on, Someone had it they, when they did their check, their feed yeah. check, mm. they left it on. So yeah. we're sitting there, like, so someone's mom is like trying to tell, like, <laughs> tell him through, like, hey, you know, like, people that have ordered the shit are already listening to you give a whole cunt exp- <laughs> <Right>. expose. <laughs> so they already ordered it, they already paid their money. Yeah, yeah we're good. <laughs> well, I tell I'm you probably gonna draw more attention. <laughs> right. That was our plan. Yeah. But actually, right. we just sold a bunch more leading up to it. We don't a know lot why. Of everyone's trying to now. order this thing now. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> Keep saying it. If that was us, we would call that Patreon premium bonus content. Yeah. Throw that yeah. up for a dollar a month. A dollar a month, you can hear all the, all the secret uh, cunts that we say. Off That's the right. Air. That's right. All right, Frank, and also quickly, tell everybody about that Amazon banner on the front of phoneboothfighting.com. Well, it's one of the easiest ways to help us here at the show by clicking on phoneboothfighting.com and hitting our banner. It uh, transports you right over to the Amazon uh, page, and all the shopping you do from that point on, a small percentage comes back here to help us out at the show. We appreciate that. Great way to support us and uh, no additional cost to you. All right, Brendan. Now, uh, tomorrow night, uh, as we tape ESPN+, Plus, which is now the exclusive home of uh, Dana White's Contender Series Season 3, uh, we've got uh, a fight card coming up. And you were telling me, now, is this going to be the last one you do of this season? Yeah, this okay. one. Yeah, I, I did the, uh, this will be the fifth one. So uh-huh. I got first five. Okay. And then uh, the rest of the summer will be Dan Helley, I How- believe. It'll be who? Dan Helley. Oh, okay. Yeah. How do you get your assignment? Because, I mean, it's one thing when you start with Contender Series, but that uh, that that trial period obviously went well because then they started sending you to different locations, calling fight cards and stuff like that. Yeah. So how does it work now? Do you just wait for the phone to ring? or? Well, I'm a full-time UFC staff member now. Yep. I went full-time late last summer. So mm-hmm. um, uh, now it's like I'm kind of – when I email – my boss and we're kind of in constant communication because he works on the shows and stuff like that. So it'll be, he'll kind of either give me a heads up through an email and be like, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. This, 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 and this, is that cool? And, uh, I'm usually like, yes, because, uh, I'm almost never can miss a show or you want to be the yes guy. Well, it's like, I love doing them too. I want to work. And then there was really only one, like I had a wedding earlier this year in March. That's why I couldn't call what Wichita, but Mm -hmm. it was like, I was just like, Hey, I think this is like my last wedding until my son probably gets married or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, no, it wasn't my, Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, um, yeah, it's kind of like several months out. Like I know, I know what I'm doing through the end of October. And then uh, after that, it's like, hey, you're probably doing this one too, and then maybe this one or this one, and then I'll find out as the schedule kind of goes. Okay. So yeah, it's like, I I'm always anxious to see where the cities are. Yeah. That that we're going to, and then like where I might fit in. Yeah. But clearly, like I'm the number two guy right now, and like a- Anik is all the pay per views, uh-huh. and then pretty much all the big ESPN shows. So like mine are like the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then depending on where in the world they are, mm-hmm. you know, Europe yeah. is John Gooden territory and yeah. I'm the South America guy if it's on ESPN plus. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, so it's, so it's really no different than somebody who has their boss call them to schedule the shifts at the, at the diner or whatever. Kinda, you know? hey, I listen, mean, we're going to need you to work this weekend. I'm available because yeah. this is my job. And so, you know, it's not like, ah, yeah, I was hoping to have that Saturday off. And it's also not one of those jobs where it's like, can I work uh, 
I, I, I can't work that weekend in September. Can I? I'll do the Abu Dhabi one. It's just mm. like, no, no, no. It doesn't yeah. work that way. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's very yeah. specific on yeah. who's calling what. What about pairings? Now, do they – because it, it – it looks to me like what they do is they always uh, seize an opportunity to try a little different. Pe- Let's see if this chemistry works compared to that chemistry and things like that. Because yeah. did you start out with Paul Felder? Yeah, as I me recall? and Felder were the team. Mm-hmm. So it was Dan Helley and Eve Edwards, mm-hmm. and me and Paul Felder. Mm-hmm. We alternated the first season of the Contender Series, mm-hmm. and then uh, Felder was my partner too for my first UFC card in Fresno in December of 2017. So, yeah, like I built up a nice rapport with him, and mm-hmm. we're about the same age, and uh, he's from Philly. I'm f- from just south of Boston, so we kind of mm-hmm. have that, you know, uh, northeast cynic mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> sports fan attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, but then, like, obviously, then I quickly worked with Jimmy Smith, mm-hmm. uh, Bisping last summer in the Contender Series when he started doing it. Um, so, like, I don't know. I always pride myself on being – able to work with a lot of different people i've had to do it over the years through a bunch of different jobs at espnu it was like all right we're covering volleyball this weekend so mm-hmm. here you are with a volleyball coach that you never met before but we got to yeah. be good on tv yeah and then football and basketball just had a constant rotation of people well see i think frank and you know you've certainly done a lot of this over the years i always think that that play-by-play position is so key because at, we're at a point now where we've got a lot of fighters, you know, who are are showing uh, talent for being able to do color and things like that. However, you really need a good traffic cop in that situation to be able to bring you in and out of conversations, make a, a signal left, signal right. You know? What no, I'm absolutely. I've done many shows because I, I, all the freelance stuff I do. If I work with a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing or doesn't have a very strong presence, it it kills it. Like I always mm-hmm. tell people, like. The guy in my job can kind of be bad at his job, and you can get through a show. Mm-hmm. But if the, the play-by-play guy sucks, mm-hmm. show's rough. You know what yep. I mean? Like it just—it's just—it's hard to watch. Almost got to turn the volume off. Yeah. Before I forget, Brendan, uh, and we'll we'll get into the uh, contender series and all this kind of stuff we're going to talk about. But I have a series of—I'd uh, say probably a top three uh, uh, things phenomenon in uh, uh, UFC commentating that I'm trying to—I'm uh, trying to blow the lid off. Okay, of I'm trying to get that to the bottom awesome. of. All right. Okay. And uh, I'm going to pose a question to you that I have never had an opportunity to ask a UFC play-by-play analyst. But it could apply to any of them. All right. Are I you ready? Or, I may or may not be able to answer. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. You can I'm say intrigued. no comment if okay, you good. feel like it's too touchy of a subject. All right. Every time, and I mean every time without exception, and it is whoever the UFC commentator is, uh, uh, John Anik, uh, Brendan, you know, Mike Goldberg back in the day, whoever it was going to be, when fighters are introduced, right? What Bruce Buffer introduces the fighters, introducing first and his opponent, right? And then he'll say, your referee in charge, Herb Dean. And the very first thing out of the play-by-play analyst's mouth is, Herb Dean, your referee. Now, yeah, <laughs> I have a good story you know what, on this. You know what I'm talking about? I know, about. Okay. I know. Because, and let me just say, I, 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 the reason this pings this. with me, okay, yeah, the reason yeah. this, this pings with me is because on the one hand, I'm thinking, he just said that, and he always just says it. It's like it's like a, a given that it's going to be a reaffirmation. Right. Now, the only other thought I have is is that sometimes the camera stays on him for a second, so you have to say something about what the viewer is looking at. Okay, right. those are my theories. Okay, I turn it over to so you. So when I first got into uh, – w- when I found out that I was going to be auditioning, I mm-hmm. think, or – uh, when I found out that I got the Contender Series job a couple of years ago. That was one of the first things I noticed when I would watch fights because I hadn't called fights before. Yeah. So I was like, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm good at mimicking people. Like just, I, I feel like I've been a good broadcaster because I've been like, okay, Jim Nance, like I've grown up wanting to do it and mm-hmm. be like, how should it sound on mm-hmm. TV? And then mm-hmm. like, I'm going to try to do that, but with my own kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So one of the first thoughts I had was yours. I was just like, why do they keep saying the ref? Bruce just said the ref. Yeah. Why? Why is he saying the ref? Like literally, why? Like that's not. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Then I started doing it, but I was just like, it was so ingrained in me because that's like every fight that I'd watched, as you mentioned. So I just started doing it, and uh, never told not to mm-hmm. by my boss or any or whatever. And I can't remember. I think it was earlier this year. 
I believe it was earlier this year and not last year, but somebody on Twitter after the show, and I, like, I don't have a ton of Twitter followers, so like I usually see if somebody tweets at me or whatever mentions me. like It's not like white noise. Mm-hmm. So somebody was just like, hey, good job on the commentary. I noticed you say the referee after. It's like, why do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, Why do you say the ref? It's redundant, whatever. And so I was like, you know, I shouldn't. Like I, I thought that the first time I started watching fights or, or you know was kind of training to call them and i was just like that's redundant uh, give give them something else and then i just fell into the pattern like everybody else and never told not mm-hmm. to and the, the inertia kept it going so what i've tried to do now i've tried to do it less mm-hmm. and uh sometimes i'll acknowledge it like oh so her draws his first assignment of the night and blah 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 i'll try to have something on one of the fighters that I'm going to say right after the referee announcement. Like, so if you watch mine mm-hmm. play by plays over the last, I don't know, maybe three, four months, three, four, five months, like you, you'll notice I still do it out of habit. It's tough to break, but at the same time, like I don't do it out of all of them. And I have had like, like when I'm prepping for a fight, I'll be like, Oh, that's a pretty good quote from this fighter. I'm going to do this right after the ref announcement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a theory mm-hmm. maybe. And I have a question too. That yeah, I'm curious sure. about, um, I'll go with my theory. That's first. interesting. I'm glad you I just it it is, is, here's the thing it, it doesn't even, it doesn't even bother me I know it's crazy. Crazy. I went oh yeah it's just they all like, do I noticed it too yeah. see in WWE we have very specific and I was gonna the question we'll get to is the amount of traffic you've had yeah. in your ear compared to other jobs you've had in WWE there's a lot of traffic going on in your ear earpieces okay yeah between producers right. and, and, and lead-ins and breaks and then also you have God Vince McMahon in your ear to oh, tell really? to feed you lines. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And so the, See, we don't have voice, that. Yeah, and that's you. You, you could you imagine if Dana was in your ear and if he was Dana like, was in my ear and, like and he was you either need laughing to say this. or going, "God damn it! Why did you say that?" Yeah. And like so, and you're live with that. So yeah. here's my here's my theory. So as the as the announcer, as the play by play guy, right, and the color guy, we're talking to the audience. Yeah. The ring announcer is talking to the people in the crowd. Right. And I always feel like maybe it's a way for the, the play-by-play guy to, to reconnect the audience to what's in the ring. Yeah, it's almost like a sense? transition to yeah. jump like back the, into like the Bruce broadcast. Says, and your referee is Herb Dean. Yeah. Now he's talking to people here. Mm-hmm. Right. Now you're talking to people at home. Right. The referee's Herb Dean. He's mm-hmm. like, you're re- reiterating and now reconnecting to the scene. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm I, like, I, I think that's, there's something to that. Like, yeah. I, need to, I need to have a pickup point they, to resume the broadcast. Bruce wasn't really mm-hmm. talking to mm-hmm. the people at right. home. He was mm-hmm. talking to the arena. You're talking But like for the official winner, it's like we go, and then after the winner, we just okay, so by rear naked choke, it's this person. You know what I mean? so yeah. it's like in some ways it does like bruce is such a part of the broadcast at the same time like we build him in obviously uh-huh. and he knows it so it's like yeah like a lot of times it is that transition it's like i need to pick up with something some of the, some of the cha- most challenging things is like if there's a long stalemate in the action or whatever and it's kind of like a lot of faints whatever mm-hmm. it's almost like i haven't spoken for 35 seconds and maybe neither has the color guy and then it's just mm-hmm. like all right so what do i say to start back in mm-hmm. you know without mm-hmm. a big punch or it something ma- like that it makes you know? sense now here's a fun idea that will last all of one broadcast until they tell you to stop but uh how about this how about when when bruce goes you know your referee, Mike Beltran, you come up with a fun fact about the referee. I and thought of say, that too. Mike Beltran has been growing his mustache for 17 right, years. Right. You know, I thought of that like something fact. pertinent to, to yeah. like, okay, if we're going to acknowledge them and it obviously matters or whatever, yeah. it's almost like, but I, I thought of that at the beginning. Like, are there referee stats Statistics, or whatever? Yeah. You know, yeah. Something yeah. like that. This like, oh, Herb Dean is his 43rd title fight. Or so and so and so's had, yeah, they've called the. Four early stoppages in the last three months. Let's yeah. do it. Oh, you know what I mean? But like, yeah. you know, like you yeah. can't do that. There's no quantifiable yeah. ways to do it. So, I, or like, it would take forever. I guess it wouldn't take that long. But you could just be like, oh, Herb Dean's called Herb Dean. three of Six, this four, guy's fights. You know what I mean? Be like, oh, he's you know, if they're familiar with the fighter, it might be something. I'm but. just happy he's acknowledging this, Frank, because you know, one of my other it ones is a is, real thing. It's something that I thought of, and something somebody else called yeah. me on it on yeah. Twitter, and I was just like, you know, I should. So I just try to have something to where if I can be yeah. like, well, it's, it's good you're candid about it. One yeah. of my other ones is that. Everybody who trains with uh, American Top Team has agreed that they will all be introduced as fighting out of Coconut Creek, Florida. If you've ever noticed this, no other camp, it's not like everybody that trains at Jackson Winklejohn right. says from Albuquerque, New Mexico, but everybody who trains ATT, mm-hmm. it says fighting out of Coconut Creek, Florida. I questioned Dustin Poirier about this, and he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
they're obviously that is something they do not what they have all agreed on it and i like to think that after that interview I'll bet Dustin Poirier texted Dan Lambert, and he's like, holy shit, they're on to us. <laughs> this guy, there is a guy out there who is about to blow the lid off of this agreement, and they just they all clam up. They act like we don't. It could Have be you a ever pride that thing. I, I've kind of, now that you mention it, it's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. I've always noticed that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know. I wonder if it's something like an, uh, whether it's a written or unwritten rule with mm-hmm. that or – if you were training to be a fighter, or if you were coming up, right, and you want to make it into the UFC, especially nowadays with how big it's gotten and stuff, it's like you'd wear that as a badge of honor, wouldn't mm-hmm. you? Like, it, I, I want to one day, man, it'd be cool mm-hmm. if I could fight out of Coconut Creek, Florida. There's only yeah. some great fighters that oh. are able to do that. It's almost like if you could attach ESPN to my name growing up, that would be yeah. the best thing ever. And then it happened. It's just like, man, this is awesome. I'm working for ESPN. I, I'm fine with it. I just think it's a curious agreement that has clearly been yeah. made. Now, what I like to think is that Dan Lambert has cut a side deal with the Coconut Creek Chamber of Commerce. I like mm. to think he went over there and he's like, listen, I got an idea. All right. Put us on the map. Yeah, Coconut Creek doesn't get a lot of yeah. national uh, media exposure. Near, We're about a, to change it's that. It's like in Boca, right? Near Boca. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. right on the south. Let's talk some fights, Brendan. Now that we've got the important stuff out of the way, <laughs> let's talk some fights. Uh, I, so, I like the inside baseball. The right. business this is not doing anything else. <laughs> It Nobody pretty, else wants to hear about more it. More than if anything do, else, I'll talk just, your ear about it, it often. More than day. anything else, it just tells me how like offbeat I am because I'll think of stuff like that. And somebody's like, "Huh? No." But people what? do like the ins or, and outs of like yeah. different things they see on TV all the time. It's interesting, you know? right? Yeah. All right, so um, so uh, contender series is uh, is tomorrow night, and you know, quietly, maybe not so quietly, depending on if you're a regular viewer of that show, that show is generating some real legitimate. Uh, players on the UFC roster. Yeah. You know, Frank, going back way back to, you know, this gets almost to your your start date um, a little bit after this was something that I had to learn about the, the Ultimate Fighter when it first came on because, you know, reality shows were starting to come along. When I heard about the Ultimate Fighter, I was like, well, I wonder if this is going to be kind of gimmicky. Like, I wonder if, yeah, they're going to say you get a UFC contract, but it's going to be somebody who never really shows up in the promotion. And then, of course, it turns out to be anything but that. It turns out to be this totally legitimate thing. And I think, you know, that was one thing at the beginning of the Contender Series you had to wonder about, which is, well, will you actually see any of these guys, you know, live on to be competitive in the UFC. And I mean, now I don't, I've lost count of how many guys we're actually seeing and, and ladies we're actually seeing turn up right. in increasingly significant ways on UFC well, cards. And it's like almost the opposite. Like they want to, but like what helps the show and then helps the UFC then helps the show. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. if you win your contract on a contender series, it's like they, they want that to be a springboard. So I feel like there's even some prospects that they have their eye on, and they say, "Let's bring them into the contender series. We'll launch them here, mm-hmm. get them there." You know, mm-hmm. to, I'm, obviously you never can tell what's going to happen, but like, like Sean O'Malley before he came to the contender series, like he had a viral kind of head kick, spinning knockout. And it's just like, okay, this kid kid could be something. Yeah. Let's launch him with. Let's help launch this show, whatever. So it's been a strategic kind of thing where they've not only wanted to get guys to the UFC from it, but then it helps everything if then they are busy in the yeah. UFC, you know what I mean, Frank, if they can you, be. Do you think you've coached Ultimate Fighter series in the past? Do you think it would have been helpful back then if, you know, you're going to have these fighters on the teams who are like real colorful personalities and they're going to get a lot of camera time, but then you're going to have the guys who are just maybe their personalities aren't that colorful, but they're just really good fighters. Seem like it would have been really helpful back then if there would have been an alternative avenue like this where it can just be like, hey, this guy is a really good fighter. We put him in a fight. Everybody sees it, and we don't need to worry about – his antics in the ultimate fighter house or something like that. Yeah, no, I think it is a good idea because <clears throat> we need those kind of guys also to be fighters. Not everybody's going to have a personality like obviously a Conor McGregor that you're interested in, in and outside, whether he's fighting or not, but we still need opponents. And so I think that a lot of times you get those guys and, and I hate to tell them this, but this is the truth of the matter. They're like, I'm just here to fight. I'm all, that's awesome. You're never going to be the champ. Mm-hmm. You're, no one's going to give a shit about you when you are, if you do become the champion, um, because it takes an equal amount of personality and charisma on top of being a badass uh, to really make a superstar. So to have those guys in there that do well on the, the contender where personality is not going to be the linchpin, where I've seen it on the flip side, firsthand on the ultimate fighter when you get a guy going hey we're gonna pick this guy and then, you know a producer walks over to you and goes eh, we don't really like that guy 
it was dry on the mic. The guy really, you know, he's, he's you know, cookie cutter. There's nothing exciting about him. Mm -hmm. He's not that exceptional of a fighter. I mean, basically, to put it back into your hands, go, look, if he's phenomenal, then, yeah, you know, obviously that gets a pass. But if he's okay, then we're definitely going to take this guy over here who's maybe not as good, but shit, man, he's a sound bite waiting to happen. He's entertaining. He's a train wreck, you know, whatever the case may be. So I think that it's good to have a combination of both. Because mm -hmm. I think that at the same time, the Contender Series doesn't really prepare you to be a superstar in the UFC because it doesn't really are you going to be that personality that catches fire right. that garners interest with social media the way it is today whereas the ultimate fighter already had that as part of the prerequisites because the producers of that show you know even though they were building guys as an afterthought to be good in the ufc their primary focus was we ratings. want ratings on our show yeah you know i mean regardless when well, there's one yeah. fight per episode yeah you need to yeah. fill uh, yeah so i mean 55 show. minutes of the, or you know whatever you know 35 minutes 40 minutes it's of this around TV the show and, is around personalities yeah. so mm -hmm. if you were a winner on that the, i mean well shit that's why they also had guys who didn't win the show every time they had the card they're also fighting on the card that wasn't really indicative of who was a good fighter if you look back and look at it most of the time it was who had great personalities yeah there's several you know the guys would be like hey man he lost his very first fight You're like yeah man but people want to see him like yeah ah. and that's the part i think sometimes that fighters at home not as much but a lot of guys I remember when I was with Brock Lesnar people go why the fuck does Brock Lesnar get to be up there I'm like because he sells assholes be like Mike Tyson made a quote a long time ago he goes what did he say like if I tell everybody I'm jerking off at Madison Square Garden I'd sell it out <laughs> And he's absolutely right. I mean, the guy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if you got that kind of personality or charisma and people want to see you, you could, you know, At you call your shots. At the end of the day, this is entertainment. And yeah, this is something 100%. I've had to remind myself. In pro wrestling, we take the art form. You take the art form seriously of, of mixed martial arts. I take my art form seriously. And then you have to go, oh, yeah, but at the end, it's, it's base. It's just entertainment. Because if people aren't entertained to pay their money to come and watch you do your art form, mm -hmm. then you're just doing it with yourself for yourself. So you have to remember that we're here to entertain people. And yes, being the absolute best fighter is entertaining in and of itself, but also just having a big personality. Can it happened, what was a t-shirt company? I forgot. Uh, that did the show. Fedor first fought in the Oh, States. Affliction? Affliction. Oh, yeah. Fedor basically, not that he did it on purpose or anything, but when they paid Fedor the kind of money they paid, they thought they were going to have this phenomenal show. When the pay-per-view buys came out, it was horrendous. Like, I mean, you can make fun of Demetrius Johnson's worst show, and, and guess what? It still tripled the ratings on that show. Mm -hmm. Not that Fader wasn't, especially at that time, one of the baddest men that walked the face of the earth, but no one gave a shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. besides the hardcore fans that are Russians that want to follow him or, or the Americans here that were fans of him, but, but obviously that wasn't enough to push the needle because guess what? Affliction went bankrupt. Yeah. They dropped because... They're like, hey, the guy doesn't talk. He doesn't have anything. But it goes to your right. point. He had no opponent either. Yeah. He had no one that they were interested in even seeing him beat up, which True. is the other half. Again, I made a lot of money. Yeah, it takes two to tango, man. That, That's yeah. fighting world. People don't realize. It takes Getting two. Getting beat up. You got to pay to get, see someone get beat up. And right? that goes for all sports, too, though, because, like, uh, you know, in other sports, it's blurred a little bit because it's like the, the NFL season is going to start and the teams are going to play their way to the championship. Sure. It's mm -hmm. not like, hey, we're going to pick out this and this. for. So the fighting world is like – so different it's like such a combination it's like entertainment even though it is a, a, a sport and a legitimate sport like entertainment's a, a bigger factor in it and but but I, as a sports fan growing up and then when i started covering sports i'm just like you start seeing it's just like every game every game when you when you go into the locker room it's just like okay this is their job the way my job is right. my job the way everyone else's job is their job and then you just see it's like okay so this is entertainment too it's just masked in a bigger league of playoffs and whatever but it's like make no mistake like like dana wants personalities and great fighters to clyde <laughs> that's the best case scenario and it's just like well uh when CBS or Fox or whoever is the Super Bowl, it's like, yes, they want Tom Brady against some they like they want the biggest stories in the biggest media markets. Like if they have like Jaguars against, you know, well, Cardinals, the, the, yeah. the Vikings or whatever. It's, and it's just like and yeah, Jaguars, Cardinals, whatever it's like that Super Bowl is just not going to be watched yeah. by as many people and mm -hmm. with as yeah. much intrigue. It's like it goes for that in all sports. You know, it, in the NCAA Final Four, it's like if it's Texas Tech against 
Washington in the in the championship game, so or if it's Duke the against you're Michigan. I was gonna make a joke right like there. No, like not the call, not, not call shots, yeah. not late hits back, on the like, pass interference. Right, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at all the rules, of it have gone also to make the game more entertaining. Yeah. Throwing yeah. the ball into a guy in basketball and having back the guy down in the post with a jump hook and hitting seventy percent of his shots is great and efficient. But it doesn't sell tickets right. it's like launching three pointers yeah. up and down the court. Right. You look at all the rules of, of sports because at the end of the day, it's entertainment. Yeah, and and, and there's more to compete for. Yeah. And, and speaking to the part that there's a narrative, I think that's the one thing that team sports will always have over the individual. It's extraordinarily hard to build a narrative over a long period of time with an individual. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. look, fighting's tough. Yeah, they turn it sure. over. Boxing mm. was a little bit easier to build narratives because you know. You see guys have 35 fights, and it's like, oh, the guy's a champ. I'm like, yeah, but he's fought three people in the top ten. Right. Everybody else he fought, like, you could have beaten their ass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they put a lot of tomato cans under to pad people's records where, you know, the top-level MMA shows, they don't do that. You, they just don't have that kind of uh, of model. And so you can get a guy like, I mean, like, like Connor. Then it's like, well, you know, the best thing in the world is if Connor beats uh, Khabib. Guess what? They can't control that, you know. Right. Like it, and so those narratives get stopped more. Where I think in team sports, that's why you know baseball, football, well, that logos basketball. Logos too. Yeah. Even if your team's like, not doing well, they're still playing every Sunday. Red Sox, or, Yankees. You put that on the board. There's still sure. going to be a series yep. going on, and there's still a narrative. Whether yeah. they're doing well or doing bad, we're in fighting. You can have all the personality in the world. If you lose, you're fucked. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. very hard to come back. I mean, unless you're a Connor. But I mean, look at uh, uh, Rousey. Two in a row, and she's like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's harder to keep up that steamrolling effect or, or interest in people to garner when they're not successful at the same time. Yeah. I'll ask you this question because you're a wrestling fan too, and now you're getting into the sport. Do you think, with personalities and the way MMA is, we could ever see quote jobbers be a part of mixed martial arts to where these guys they have a personality and you know they're not there to win, but People love them so much that they keep getting work as basically the guy that you know. We have them already. already in the yeah, I mean, yeah, you call, don't get their him, own call him a gatekeeper. The gatekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like a, like a, a Chris Lieben. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's always a tough fight, but he has a personality. He's, you know what I mean? Like he's right. interesting to, you know, to, to, to put on camera. So we have those guys that are, you know what I mean, that are, yeah. they're not ever going to be the champ. But you know, yeah, I guess the word we use probably be more of a gatekeeper Gate type, where with through personality enhancement, and enhancement talent, yeah, mm -hmm. they they bring out the better in other sure. guys. It will go on if, hopefully it, be top. Yeah, contenders. in MMA, they're always that. Well, the one thing you will see in MMA is where a guy has had like three wins, four wins, five wins, and then it's like, all right, now it's time to up his challenge. Right. And we're going to give him a guy that if he's going to advance as we think he's going to advance, we fully test. expect him to win this fight. Yeah. However, we expect this to be a tougher fight than anything he's ever sure. had. Yeah. And now he's on to the next level. Now yeah, he's on to graduate our, studies. I think what was stepped down from that would call a journeyman type. You know? yeah, I'm, but I'm saying something different. I'm saying this guy's like, all right, this guy's 0-6. Like like, mm. and, and the crowd just like gets behind this guy like, it's like you know, like like is that well, like, what? what was his, what was that? Like, he's guy? not like Rich oh, Shannon. he's a pretty good fighter. Rich he guy? just has like, like Rich, this guy's a one-one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He, the guy had like hundred fights. Like the movie Rudy, right? Like jumping out. Well, I'll tell you what. There <laughs> like have a Rudy, been, like Rudy, yeah. right? Like everyone would pay just to see this guy <laughs> to see him lose, just to lose, or just I want to be there the time he lands the lucky shot and gets the first victory. Because it could be against anybody, that, right? If like, I if I continue who, and went to Warrior, that'll be me. Well, just, That's me right. and went you know, to Warrior. Well, I just don't have those guys, I guess, because now I'm thinking about it. Because like, wouldn't it be perfect to have CM Punk be that guy? Yeah. Well, so I'm saying. Because I mean, here's yeah. a guy who I mean, shit, the guy went and fought. He had like seven hundred thousand right. pay per view likes. Yeah, and he would gain so much respect if he kept getting fights and losing and said, "I don't care. Like I love this yeah. until I get a win." Because the thing with MMA that and people would still tune in to watch because it's who he really is, tough. Yeah. Because once you do have a few losses under your belt, you almost have no value left. Well, if you're not on top or you're not a big personality, yeah. once you kind of have that, unlike, again, my, you know, wins and losses is different in pro wrestling, but it's your almost you lose your value. And it'd be great if you could find a way to have, bring value to guys who are never going to be champion or necessarily win. But people just yeah. love to see them in there. The journey of maybe getting that first victory. I don't think you're going to see that at the top level. But I'll tell you where I think you do see it, though, is in uh, smaller uh, regional shows like actually going to FFC. 
I've mm, seen right. guys announce with records at times where it'd be like, you know, all right, this guy is six and zero or something like that, you know. And uh, <laughs> I'll lean over to my girlfriend and be like, all right, so this guy probably if he wins one more fight, he's going to have bigger organizations looking at him, right? And then he'll be taking on a guy who's like twelve, three yeah. and four, okay. Yeah. And I'm and I tell her I'm like, all right, so this guy, depending on how this fight turns out, is going to probably have a real serious talk with himself about whether or not he yeah. continues professionally. Yeah, he needs to go like. 10 and 0 to like you yeah. can have a chance because it gets to be like around. uh like the value of your car you know if you get too upside well, like, down I, on it you know I, start I did uh thinking things interview through. with dan Ige a few yeah you know from hawaii and stuff and like i can't remember if it was his first fight it was one of his early pro fights and he's just like ah, i was fighting a guy who was like 10 and 40 <laughs> you wow. know what i mean like like you see one sport yeah pre- in preparing for the contender series when you look past it he's like this guy might be eight and two or like yeah. they all have respectable records whatever um and so and then you look at their level of competition that's something we talk about in like the production meetings too is just just to try to figure out who's what because a lot of it's unknown even for us even the yeah. ones who've been studying them because it's like the, the 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 circuits are just so small you can't you can't know everything and so it's like oh the, well this guy's last opponent was three and seven and his opponent before that was four and twelve mm-hmm. so i don't know if he's as eight and oh as this guy who's nine and one who's beaten a ufc vet before you it's know? like a math equation so it's like, yeah. yeah but then yeah. like some like you know oday osborne his level of competition wasn't great before yeah. last week and he went out and got a finish and he got a contract so it's like well, and, and it's that, hard though because i've had guys that want me to help them with their careers hey can you get me in get me in i'm like oh, you know you know i'm 15 and oh and i'm like yeah but your records of your, your your opponent's combined record is losing. Yeah, I mean, like you know, if we add all the guys, they're like you have a combined record of like you know thirty and fifty. You know, like that's not going to turn any heads. You know, right, like right. yeah, you're fifteen mm-hmm. and zero, but not against of anybody of substance. Like you're going to need a fight against a person who someone goes, hey, this guy has a win over, or he fought so and so. You're like, oh, I know that guy. But when you're mm-hmm. just fighting guys that are you know three and eight, it's like no mm-hmm. one gives a, a shit. Couple of those guys mm-hmm. at the FCC that uh, or FC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, FFC. Uh, FFC. FCC are the ones that F- regulate what Brendan says <laughs> the, on the air. Right, yeah, FCC, yeah. do not Although pay the dollar. Although we're screaming a lot for, on ESPN. Well, do not, like do not pay the yeah. dollar for the Patreon. Yeah, if they yeah. went from the FCC's list, That's right. we don't, you don't need to subscribe to the Patreon <laughs> right. for that dollar. But uh, no, but there were a couple guys there that had like, it was like 50, 60 fights. Like yeah. one guy looked like Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. Uh, like now, <laughs> you know, I was like, right. well, yeah, the guy's 12 and 42. Like that'll do it to you. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a look at uh, tomorrow night's uh, Contender Series card here. Uh, Brennan, I'll just uh, ask you if any of these names jump out to you or if there's anything you can uh, tell us about them. Uh, maybe we pull those up, too, while we're at it. Um, uh, let's see. It looks like... Uh, uh, Start with the headliner. Yeah, let's do that. We're, uh, is that Jordan Williams? They, they yeah, kind of changed the bout order. Yeah, this is going to be a uh, middleweight uh, attraction. Jordan yeah. Williams taking on Ramazan. Kura Magomedov. That'll be fun tomorrow. Kura yeah. Magomedov. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jordan Williams, uh, he was on last year's Contender Series. Yeah. I don't know if you remember him. He has type 1 diabetes. Okay. Um, and, like, at one point was in the hospital and said, you know, his mom was sitting next to him and he thought he was going to die. Like, he huh. was really in bad shape over something and uh type one is like the one you get a lot of times like even if you're a kid and yeah stuff type, like type that. one is your body uh, the autoimmune disease yeah. Yeah. type two is more like diet yeah. 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 stuff like that right yeah, yeah. 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 type one like your body eats your own pancreas yeah Ooh. yeah so basically um, white blood cells yeah so delicious to be fair he figured mm. uh yeah on, i can't remember like when he found that out he was 20 or something like yep. that anyway so uh he came in last year on five or six days notice got a third round finish over tim karen uh wasn't enough to get him the contract that night but yeah. I, I think since then he um he went out and got another win so he's back and uh like he's good man like on five days notice and he made the weight no problem and then he out cardioed the hell out of that kid last year yeah. and he finished him in the third round so it's like he uses like his thing is a platform to help other people with autoimmune disease kind of one of those do whatever you can doctors told him you probably shouldn't fight anymore so he stopped fighting and then he was like his diabetes got worse because he didn't have that commitment huh. that like he got into sure. a depression all that kind of between the ear stuff that can yeah. probably affect you physically as well so he got back into it so he's a great story and then uh Ramazan uh, trains with Mark Henry mm-hmm. and he's trained uh, at Jackson Wink so it's like one of the many like the invasion from Dagestan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's undefeated, really good. I think he's like mm-hmm. five and zero oh, undefeated. He's young. He's like twenty three, so that's a good scrap. Um, people are high on that. Terrence McKinney. Yeah. Uh, Rick Little is his coach. So Sick Jitsu, Michael Kiesa, same team uh, up in uh, Spokane, uh-huh. and um, 
So, like, he got a new opponent, too. Sean Woodson steps in on, like, a week's notice, just oh. over a week's notice. But, like, McKinney, I, Rick Little was just like, there's no way this kid won't make millions of dollars. And, like, he's going to be a UFC champion. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, a coach is going to say good things about his fighter. But I feel like sometimes when, like, Rick Little's kind of like a no-nonsense guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not mm-hmm. going to, he's not a promote sure. promoter mm-hmm. type. And uh, for him to say that, then, like, how much? I, let me I ask don't think quick, people were trying to fight Terrence McKinney. I think you know. Yeah. Like, I think there were some people like, eh, maybe I'll try to sidestep him. On so the let way. me ask you a quick question for about that before we move on. When when we talk about these, you know, the, the camps that these guys come out of, or their who their head trainers are, and the level of recognition of said head trainers. Yeah. I mean, with the UFC, you've got uh, you know, you've got Sean Shelby, you've got Vic Maynard, you've got matchmakers who are smart enough and have been around this thing long enough to probably see through a lot of hype if that's if it's empty hype but at the same time they've probably got long-lasting relationships that they've built up to where they know that "Eh, if i hear it coming from this guy it's going to mean more than if i hear it coming from somebody i don't know so well how much of a factor do you think that sort of thing in in terms of getting prospects a reference yeah exactly i think like anything in life like networking and connections it's like you might have a great fighter who's from a place that doesn't have any connections it's like that doesn't mean he's not a great fighter and it doesn't mean he might not make it there eventually yeah but like if you are an up-and-comer at team alpha male and uriah faber really likes you then your name is going to be known by them if uriah wants it to be because like they'll take his calls like he Mm -hmm. talks with dana or sean like i don't know what the relationship is with Mm -hmm. uriah it's just obviously he's a hall of famer he's back now and he's got the respected name where it's just like yeah I got this guy, man. You should find it. Does it's not always a yes because mm-hmm. I've kind of le- like learned, um, gotten to know some managers or whatever, and just kind of seen the inner workings a little bit. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like it's a relationship where it's just like, hey, Sean, uh, this guy, and then Sean's like, yeah, cool. It's like yeah. they still make all their own decisions and they have yeah. to do what's right. But like, you know, I I was like when I grew up, um, I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. My dad was in the business world, and. Uh, then I went to college for broadcasting and like a uh, best friend of mine um, who I met at college or whatever, his dad was a producer at WNBC in New York and he wanted to also get in the news business. He was already like interning when he was in high school for these like TV stations in New York. You know what I mean? Like, so I was just like, it's like the same thing, like connections. Yeah. Who do you know? WNBC. The TV station. The TV station. I know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. But like same thing. Like if, Rather you know, place. like Joe Buck. Like yeah, his dad called the Cardinals games. He grew up mm-hmm. in a broadcasting booth, like mm-hmm. so. Doesn't mean that there were other guys that weren't as good announcers as him. But he was calling the World Series in his twenties because yeah. of those connections. I think in any business it works that way. That was my problem. But like, my dad was fighters, in the Air Force. Did right. nothing for me. Absolutely yeah, right? nothing. And it's like yeah. you know, it can, like if my son wants to get in broadcasting, great. He's yeah. going to be in good shape. If he wants to get into music or these other things or whatever, then it's like. I'll support him as best I can, but sorry about it. I can't make those phone calls for you yeah. as easily as some others could. Right. Uh, okay, what about our feature attraction here? Uh, Christian Lowson, J.J. So, uh, Christian Lowson, J.J. Okonovich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Okonovich is out of uh, AKA. Mm-hmm. Um, trains with Habib and some of his other partners and stuff like that. Um, so he believes that he's going to outclass him. He's older, too, than Lawson, so he's been around a little bit longer. He had a long amateur career before he went pro. Lawson's, like, uh, 24, but um, uh, has been doing jiu-jitsu for 20 years. Mm. Uh, both of his parents are black belts, and both still compete at, like, the Brazilian Good jiu-jitsu, Lord. like, masters I just and did the like math. That. Wait a second. You yeah. say he's 24, and he's been doing it for 20 yeah, years? Yeah, yeah. Like, his yeah. parents Holy got smokes. him into it. Then they, like, they like opened a gym and stuff like that. Yeah. So he's, like, one of those lifers. Kind of like Macy yeah. Barber. Like, his yeah. story reminded me of yeah. Macy Barber. It's just, like, you are going to be groomed. Yeah. As long as you want to do it. Yeah. Whatever. So yeah. um, I'll be interested to see that because, like, yeah. Okanovich is more, like, got into it after high school football, wanted to compete, yeah. athletic, like yeah. really athletic, and he, and he loves it now. But yeah. it's like then Lawson's like – he had a banana split finish in his last oh, fight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lawson did. Yeah. So it's like different level of like, you know. Yeah. Both your parents are black belts. crazy. Yeah. Um, Jamal Hill, Alexander – so Alexander Popik's from Germany. So that's uh-huh. like a – let's see what Germany has, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think. And um, he's got like nine – he's like nine and two. Jamal Hill – I can't remember what his record is, but like prospect banger from uh, Michigan. Uh-huh. And then uh, Camuela Kirk is from Peoria, Arizona. I think his parents opened a gym too. I think they, they opened their own gym. Um, originally from Hawaii, looked up to BJ Penn a lot. Like he's he's a lifer too, like was wanted to 
be a UFC guy since he was a kid. And then Billy Quarantello was on The Ultimate Fighter a few years ago. Oh, okay. He was on Team Faber uh, when it was Faber McGregor that season. Yeah. So, yeah. He's like, I fought in front of Dana before. I said I'm going to fight in front of him again. Cool. And so four years later. Here nice right. work. Yeah. Nice work. How, how far in advance do you start with this stuff? Like uh, – uh, you know, in terms of getting all that background information. So is it because the fights happen on Tuesday? Is Wednesday like homework day to start no, getting ready for the next Wednesday's, one? Or are you further ahead than that? Yeah, I'm, I'm still figuring it out because I always had like a job where it's like if I wasn't at my job, then I wasn't uh, working. Mm-hmm. Like when I was at ESPN, it's like there's a bit of homework you do. But for the most part, it's like I'm in studio, so I'm working tonight, whatever. And then you go home and it's like you just pay attention, watch the games and stuff uh-huh. like that. And then even before that, I was at local news. It, it was always just like a pay attention all the time, but you work when you're at work for the most part. Uh-huh. You know, um, Now it's like when you show up at work, you better be ready. And it's a lot of it is homework. So I've just kind of started this year almost figuring out like a schedule and a routine of like, okay, this days I'm going to do this. These days I'm going to do this. So like for this one, since I didn't have a show this past Saturday, I started on this one like last week. Uh-huh. I was able to like the names had been on my list and I've kind of like made certain files and stuff. But um, like really over the last three days, uh-huh. just kind of like pour myself into them uh-huh. as like and then kind of write it all down, whatever. Today, I actually didn't have to do much because uh, I already got it done. So I'm like looking ahead to Uruguay because that's my next yeah. um, UFC show. But yeah, it's like Tuesdays are the show day. Like Wednesdays, I kind of take as a day off almost because uh-huh. it's either I'm traveling to a show or it's after a contender series or it's midweek or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of getting into that work week flow. But. Brendan with his files. He was telling me about his files oh, when man. I interviewed him. I said, you're like the J. Edgar Hoover of MMA. Like he's carrying extensive files. I got to back fighters. him up because if I lost it, I'd be – well, it's just yeah. be a lot of redoing stuff. Yeah. You, know? but you ever like, do like a, a – would you resort to like maybe like a wiretap or putting a tail on somebody or something if you needed to? <laughs> I don't know. A light on information? No, yeah. no, no. That's – like a lot of it's just a lot of internet research and yeah. then like now that i'm getting to know managers and other fighters more it's like i can text them or call them and then like even in uh sacramento um we had fighter meetings on thursday so thursday afternoon on some fight weeks we sit in a conference room or yeah. whatever and the, the pr brings the fighters in most like the main card fighters or whatever we uh-huh. talk to them for like 10 15 minutes or whatever and you can get a lot out of fighters in like 10 minutes and you can in, like two hours of like trying to find news articles mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. and uh and then like after those fighter meetings were done i was going to get a workout and feel like doing it so i brought a book down to the pool and then like calvin cater was in the pool with uh mike rodriguez the the light heavyweight who was fighting that weekend and then their manager tyson chartier and i like i'm from massachusetts so i've gotten to know those guys so i was just like i hung in the pool with them for like two hours and then at the end i was just like that was incredible re- like oh yeah you know that's like uh priceless in terms of like cool i'm good on those guys or yeah. anyone they know you know, I can call them or yeah. text them or whatever. So it's just like picking that up over the years, and I'm I still like kind of in the process. I like, of that. I like how if you're in the, pool, but I always have yeah. to have it on my yeah. Word file, like for a fight, because yeah, you yeah. don't have a computer in front of you. Yeah, you know, I like how, podcast. like, yeah. Apparently, even if you're in the pool, you're not safe from Brendan's research. You just you're over there in the pool. You th- <laughs> think you just relax all of a sudden. You see that snorkel come up from underneath the <laughs> yeah the the water. Yeah. yeah. So Uruguay is going to be the next UFC card. That's August 10th. I see the one that uh, I do. Yeah. What is that? Oh, that's yeah, uh, Shevchenko Carmouche too. Karmush, yeah. Okay. Very good. Mike very Perry, good. Vicente Mike Luque. On that one. Yeah, I keep nice. seeing this picture of uh, Greg Hardy getting scrolled up. Any thoughts on Greg Hardy, uh, Frank, fellow he- uh, heavyweight? You, did you see his last fight? I didn't get to watch the last no, fight. Okay. Right. Well, I know we're going to talk about it. Yeah. 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 I don't know if Brendan's allowed to be here for that. Oh, okay. I don't know. Is, oh. is that all right? Can I'm not we allowed get... to sound off. Well, That's right. I, I, I'm not going to. You know, yes, like, of course. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm not, yeah. you know. Remember, don't make faces either, though, because you're on video. I know. So. And, and I know. by the way, you know what? Stoic. So, yeah, actually, though, you know what? Now, there, there is the, but that is the definition. People always confuse, like, um, journalists and commentators or or analysts and and commentate and that's yeah. kind of like that's actually a good example of that like like well, some people have called they're just like this guy brennan stinks why isn't uh felder there this week with bisping well, no, those Felder's two color guys. Exactly. Announcer. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, there are some. <laughs> I, I always say that's, and you know, this was like the old thing people used to talk about with Mike Goldberg. It's like there, there's those two, it's, if you're dealing with like a two man booth, you've got the color guy is there to express opinion. And a lot of times he is there for the person who already knows what they're watching. The color, yeah. the play by play guy, a lot of times has to constantly reset because new people are coming into this all the time. Right. And if you don't have somebody who can always keep one eye on basics, 
here's who this is, here's what they're doing, here's what they're watching. Or like teeing up the fighter on like like knowing how to tee them up to speak to the every person who yeah. doesn't train or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. Like Felder exactly. might say something, and then I just be like, What do you mean by that? Or or just like yes. something that I see in the fight and I'm just like, I know Paul can speak to this and I know that I could say it, but it sounds better coming from him, so I'll like kinda tee him up on that or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, cool. Yeah, you, you have to be the it. voice of the person who is watching wondering that same thing. And right. it's like we talked about at the beginning of this conversation. The color guy isn't always going to know to set that up with that much layman's terminology yeah. you know and he needs a need right? somebody to direct him to do and that and sometimes yeah. put paul felder on blast i love you paul but yeah. uh and, and like he laughs about it now but um he, he's not a grappler right that mm -hmm. much we know mm -hmm. he, he's a striker yeah. so when was it uh ian highness was fighting in rochester in may and he and he did a granby role mm -hmm. now i didn't i never wrestled in high school my high school didn't even have a wrestling team or whatever but um paul was just like oh he's, he's doing that cartwheel defense again he kept calling it <laughs> He's called it cartwheel defense a couple of times, and then yeah. people were like, "It's called a Gramby roll, and it's uh, an actual thing." Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, it's just kind I think of I called it a cartwheel when you did it at yeah. uh, Natural Born Killers, man. It was nice. It was quick too. It was actually, Fluid. a cartwheel in that situation. Though. It was a cartwheel. Oh, <laughs> yeah. see, I was right then. See, Looks I like an effective uh, method. It's great because yeah. I can actually Grammys, do a cartwheel. Yeah. Right, so I got right. one thing I can do now. Yeah. Um, well, let's do this before uh, we conclude with Brennan, because we can do this. Let's look ahead real quick to uh, this weekend's UFC 240 main event, Max Holloway and uh, Frankie Edgar. Uh, you know, this is a fight that was supposed to happen not once, but twice before. Yeah, twice. And uh, it's finally been uh, rescheduled after it was rescheduled because of various injuries. I actually got a chance to talk to uh, these two guys at uh, the press conference a couple of weeks ago about this play a quick clip of this uh, before we get into uh, a little bit of analysis. Here we go. Go ahead. Yeah, question for uh, Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar. We'll start with Max. Uh, with this fight having been scheduled twice before, going back a couple of years. Max, do you feel like you game plan for Frankie as much as you possibly can get prepared for the fight or has time uh, caused you to maybe reevaluate the game plan at all? You know, there's a great saying, you know, third time's a charm. And uh, third time's a charm, I can't wait. You know, this guy's a legend. You know, um, I, can't, I look forward to fighting him. You know, he might, like, we're the same person. You know, we'll fight to the death. And, uh, you know, I don't want to fight him to the death, I don't want him to die. We probably should be friends after the fight. You know, him and his team is cool, so it, it's cool. I'm excited. Frankie, could I ask you that same question as far as the game plan goes? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been training for Max for you know two years, and every time he fights, he, I got to re-switch it up because he seems to be getting better. So yeah, I, I feel like uh, this this is the most fresh one, and that's the one we're going with. Uh, question for right. Daniel Corn. So I'll post Max this. Max did a great job at not answering your question. Yeah, so they, they do that sometimes. <laughs> they do that. Um, so I'll, I'll pose this question to the panel then. You know, looking at this, you've got two fighters uh, who, despite the fact that they're the better part, I think, of like 10 years apart in age, their experience level is relatively the same. Um, Frankie Edgar is going to be a smaller uh, uh, f fighter in stature than Max Holloway. But, you know, the thing that Frankie always brings to uh, a fight is pressure, 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 pressure. And that's something that Max Holloway doesn't always necessarily do. You know, he's a, he's more of a striker. He, he can actually uh, step on the gas as the fight progresses, which a lot of times you see guys go the opposite way, you know, where they start to gas out. But with Frankie, you don't get those first couple of rounds to sort of feel each other out a lot of times. I mean, the guy's cardio just a lot of times seems to know no bounds. So thoughts there. Do you think that – I'll ask you first, Frank. Do you think pressure from Frankie Edgar could make a big difference with uh, Max Holloway? I think actually the biggest difference – well, it depends, honestly. I know how Edgar's going to fight combinations, angles coming forward. Yeah. And always end on – usually ending his uh, combinations with a takedown. Uh stylistically if max holloway comes forward and tries to be aggressive and fight kind of like how he fought against uh, aldo um he gets taken down quite a bit i think that he's gonna have a hard time submitting edgar so if i see uh holloway coming forward I i'm betting on edgar to win um because of the takedowns i don't think uh holloway can stop 
the the continuous takedown attempts from Edgar. Edgar's really good at them. On the switch side, the thing that always kills Edgar is reach. And if you've seen fights where he's had a hard time with is when guys establish a perimeter, move backwards, or you know they'll do enough to attack to land shots. But as he comes forward, he has to do a lot to cover that distance safely. He does well with his angles and head movements and hand combinations, but he's always has such a short reach that he has to do all this extra, you know, uh, technical, you know, endeavors mm-hmm. to get in on you. If you come towards him, you make his job a lot easier. If he just stands his ground, if, if Max can sit back and pick away at him with jabs and long distance type of tacks, I think that's a much more difficult fight for Edgar to win. Yeah, you, you like Frankie? Mm-hmm. That's interesting because uh, Mike Chiesa. Was saying that he likes Frankie, and then like uh, we're about to do our gambling show tomorrow, our betting show, mm. and, the, and the Vegas sharp Yanni, who's who's you know really plugged in, he likes Frankie too. Hmm. Yeah. Is he the underdog in this fight? Yeah, he's like he's like plus three hundred. Oh, a big one. Is yeah, he really. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, Max is like minus four, minus four fifty, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think that they looked at the fact. I, I just that think it's Max well, like, has uh, two wins not, over Jose. Yeah, yeah. And destroyed him in their second and one. Frankie yeah. lost both. Edgar's lost both fights, yeah. but I think that's also two people got to look at styles jose aldo is extremely hard to take down he has one of the best takedown defenses in his weight class right and he has a phenomenal jab so now he has a good long distance weapon and he's doing it against a taller guy and he doesn't have to move forward aldo kind of just established his ground if you watch he just kind of fought backward did not going backwards as much as like a demetrius johnson or you know an anderson silva had in their day mm-hmm. but he would sit there establish distance and then boom hit him with a jab and step back and if edgar got too aggressive coming forward boom hit him with the right hand step off and every time edgar shot okay turn the corner and you know almost you know ole get the fuck you know get out of mm-hmm. here you know and mm-hmm. stayed away from it i don't know if max holloway's personality is programmed to do that to stay mm-hmm. away to stay away i think yeah. max is a fighter mm-hmm and I think so much so that sometimes it actually works against you. So when his, uh, his corner is going to probably tell him, hey, let's use our range, let's use our distance. Also, the third round comes in, and all of a sudden this kid goes, I'm Max Holloway. I'm going to fucking do what I do. Raise the tempo, come forward, fucking just, and, and bring pain. He's going to get out-wrestled. He's going to mm-hmm. walk. You can't walk into a guy who has a better takedown than you do. And if your takedown defense can't nullify his shots. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the fight, really, that is the element I think this fight's going to come down to. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think, Bryn? Um, I just think it's interesting how many people are picking, for, like, those three guys that I mentioned. But, like, especially, like, in your case, Frank, and then, like, in Kiesa's case, like, they're not picking it from a from a Vegas perspective. Yeah. They're just, like, fighters who are, who see the fight going a certain way. And, like, yeah, just the same knows, thing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, the, the Vegas guy is just, like, I can't lay minus 400 on Max in this spot. Like, mm-hmm. he's all about math and long term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not, a much, I'm not as much of an expert to, like, to, like, pick it apart. Like, you, you look at them stand next to each other, and it's tough to imagine – uh, Max like can't handle it, mm-hmm. but like you said, like if his mindset is to just go forward and then like I was trying to look too about like comps for who's Frankie has fought that mm-hmm. like kind of can measure up and it's like the only one really is yeah he's gonna be the shorter guy like mm-hmm. a lot of times mm-hmm. but Yair Rodriguez I guess like a, a like a more of a lengthy striker mm-hmm. and he just like. He just wrestled him and he just ground yeah. pounded him. Yeah. I mean, that's Doctor Stoppage. And, and Holloway, yeah. Like I don't know if he's going to do that to Holloway, Matt. Max. Is well, really and Holloway's good, defense for ground is that I'm dangerous if you take me down. Yeah, right. That's kind of the thing. We just haven't he, seen it in a long time, right? So if you take me down, he has great guillotine, great darts. You know, he can rotate on his back. He'll throw up triangles, arm bars, and then he's attacking from the bottom and he can get up. It's like that's great, but all things given, if two guys are of equal ability on the ground. I'm betting on the guy on top. That just mm. that's just the way it works in yeah, MMA. This yeah. isn't jujitsu. If you have a gi on, then being on bottom is not the worst thing. You know, be, pulling guard. There's some advantages that I can point at why guys pull guard because it's like, well, I got all my limbs free. You can't punch me in the face. Yeah, uh, you only have two arms to work with now. I mean, especially now with the rules with footlocks. You know, shit. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 there's some. I'm not convinced that being on top in a jujitsu match is necessarily the end all be all. Mm. In a fight, it absolutely is the only. If we're both know that if we're both comparable to each other skill wise, then the guy on top, his weight's on top, and we can hit. I can deliver a much more vicious shot from the top than you can from the right. bottom. You know, and then now, so it's like, oh, and then as the fight wears on, 
it, and this is from a guy who I love submissions. I have a harder time submitting people the sweatier we get. I mean, yeah. sweat, blood gets involved. I grab the back of your elbow to pull up an arm bar, and all of a sudden now all you did was this, and now that two inches that you pulled your arm out just took away enough leverage that I can't hurt you, you know? Yeah. Uh, we're fresh, maybe not so, but but Edgar's ability to be on top of I him, mean, the guy's a black belt in jiu-jitsu too, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like the guy trains over there on the east side, he, he knows what he's doing from that position. So that being said, if he's on top and constantly putting Max there, it's it's one, it looks good to the judges, it's frustrating, then Max can't swing and tee off the way he wants to because now maybe now he's half-heartedly looking into stopping a shot instead of just going full forward because that's one thing that's always helped him with a stand-up before is that he don't care if you take him down. Right. He'll just, I'm going to throw, if you take me down, you're just going to open up a whole other can of worms. This is a situation where it's like, man, Edgar has a good pace of work, he's busy, and he throws a lot of elbows from there the fight could get real bloody real soon and then that's the thing that people don't realize as a fighter i don't care who you are i've never met a fighter who doesn't get a sense of urgency when blood's dripping down your face because in the back of our minds we all know fuck that 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 doctor could step in here and change the course of my career in a second mm -hmm. so as you start bleeding you start not that you're panicking but you're stressed out. There's yeah. a sense of like, okay, and yeah. guess what? Anytime I add urgency or stress to you, I change your style just a little bit. I take something away. I might add something else, but it, it, it's, it's not, I'm not the same fighter because now I've added a factor that is distracting my mind a little bit going, shit, how bad was that cut? Could I take another elbow there? Maybe, okay, next time he takes me down, I'm not going to go for arm bars. I'm just going to do a double overhooks and try to maybe control some of his strikes. Well, shit, that's not, you know what I mean? Like yeah. now, see, see, look, it's changing. And so and it all starts with the fact that Edgar is phenomenal, if not one of the best in the world to watch uh, at how to throw a hand combination, kick combination, to end it with a takedown. Like his ability to flow from striking art to grappling art is, is something that I watch to, to learn from and study. You know, I mean, obviously as a heavyweight, I'm like, well, I can't, those angles aren't going to work for me because of, you know, strength to weight ratios and, and different factors that contribute to the difference of size of athletes, why they move differently. But as far as, you know, some of the techniques and transitions, like they're really, they're, you know, there's somebody, if they ever make a textbook on MMA, he has the chapter on transitioning from strikes to takedowns, you know, mm. he just really has it down. Yeah. Um, Frankie hasn't fought in 15 months, had mm -hmm. like torn biceps. Mm -hmm. So. I don't yep. know. That's a little something. older. And then uh, Max just went five rounds and got hit a bunch against yeah. Poirier, too. That was like three months ago. People, uh, it seems a lot longer ago than it was, opponent. but it's like. Yeah, it's true. You yeah. know, and of course, like they'll say not, none of that's a factor. I don't know. That's if all that's a factor. Fact. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good yeah, And the fact that, and another thing, too, is I don't think the way that, for example, again, common opponent, everybody, oh, Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo's. You know, his jab was a lot of his defense, his ability to step back and rip leg kicks really threw uh, Edgar off. Uh, didn't throw him off, but... He, like, didn't throw any leg kicks against Max the first time. Aldo. No, not at all. Yeah. It was like he had a different fighter. Yeah. You know? It seemed like that fight against Max, he was really... On all those part, I don't know what was going on in his personal life, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out something was up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that contributes to a fighter. Mm. You know, uh, something's going on because he just seemed mentally out of it. The second fight against uh, Edgar, I even picked Edgar to beat him. I'm like, well, if that same guy that showed up against Max shows up against mm. Edgar, yeah. he mentally looks like he's just showing up for a paycheck against Max, mm -hmm. in my opinion. It was like, eh, that, uh, that's not the Jose Aldo that I'm used to seeing. You know, that mm. wasn't his best performance by any stretch of the imagination. And then he showed up a really game on, I mean, laser sharp against Edgar they're, they're in their second fight. I was actually really impressed with him. In fact, I thought he won the second fight. The first fight he had with Edgar, I actually thought that Jose uh, didn't win that one. I thought that Edgar had done enough in rounds three, four, and five to garner a decision. Good stuff. Um, that was the last time uh, Frankie Edgar was an underdog. It was the first one against Aldo, 2013. Oh, wow. Oh. There you long. go. See, there's a solid stat. Yeah, Nicely done there, Brendan. I like that. Even when he's not calling. You caught me in preparation yes. for a lot of different things. Even when he's not calling that particular card, he's got. Well, uh, I'm hosting the gambling show on. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, before Brendan uh, gets out of here, and thanks again for the time, man. I uh, hope yeah. you had a good time. We got to do this, this again. Is, this yeah. is awesome. Okay, please it's do it close again. Close to with the us. building, too. Yeah, exactly. It's back We're, to my schedule. I usually go in on Monday. So, yeah. all right. Whatever. Well, we'll let's talk about your podcast because Brendan's okay. starting his own podcast. It's You're just a couple episodes in, right? I'm like, I've done 10. Okay. Uh, it's called Fits in a Fighter, mm -hmm. and it's one-on-one uh, -on -one interviews with a UFC fighter. So I sit down with them, and it's like 
it's not about their last fight or, you know what's coming up it's like i'm like where are you from we start at the beginning we go timeline like through their lives with all the biggest things i mm-hmm. learned at espn i always talk about this uh i took a three-day course they had this guy that worked for espn at the time and uh he basically taught you how to interview mm. right? it was like three days nine to five in a conference room mm. and i was just like this is gonna be way too long or way too much boring whatever and the guy it was fascinating it was the oh. best three days of my career it totally changed the game and then my career kind of went from studio hosting highlights into play-by-play so like away from the interviewing side mm-hmm. of things i wish i had it like when i was working for like news stations but um i was like if people were like what's your dream job i would have told them like well like part like i have some of it you know calling the play-by-play is amazing and then it'd be like an interview show like a like a mm-hmm. you know like david Faraday on the golf channel whatever you sit down with a high profile person and you get a lot out of them if you know how to ask the right questions mm-hmm. i feel like i do now so i was just like let me just start a podcast because it turns out you don't need much to start a podcast that's right computer and internet that's right i i I gotta get out of here too so i found the best question that i ask people uh before i'm trying to get something out of them interview them is if they like cannabis and if they say yes (laughs) then usually the next hour uh then you're good in depth it opens up a whole thing information speaking of drugs though so like my last episode of my podcast was with jared gordon who's dealt with uh like he was an addict like, uh, you know heroin, oh yeah, like yeah needles yeah, like sure. crazy yeah. stories for like Maybe an hour full interview with that question right yeah. but well like you know and like he was a sexual assault victim when he was nine uh his father's business burned down in new york city killed three firefighters on father's day one time like like this kid's Jeez. journey has been ridiculous and he got into drugs been in and out of rehab he was like sober but then he got hurt in a fight and they needed to give him morphine uh, for like a yeah, long time so it got yeah. he was just like i knew i was screwed i got back so like yeah so it's like uh some of the fighters man they're like like i should have you on sometime uh you guys all have crazy stories i think when you do what you do for a living it's you just, just like you're not usually a, a well-adjusted human being well, it's just like <laughs> but even <laughs> still <laughs> even still plenty are or you're like a lot smarter yeah. than a, like some people would give you credit for and then like your journeys on where you've taken yeah. and like the stories and stuff it's incredible yeah. so yeah, I've done some some fun episodes, and I'm gonna keep doing them as long as I can. That sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. So it's called Fits and the and a Fighter. Fits and a Fighter. Fits and a Fighter. I like the alliteration. Always yeah, a fan of the alliteration. That's why we went with phone booth fighting. There you go, the phone way. booth fighting. Yeah, it's I like I like alliteration. Uh, so people can get that in iTunes, wherever. wherever yeah, they grab iTunes their podcast. Podcasts. Yep. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Brendan Fitz TV, and I usually have links to it on there and stuff. Little clips. Awesome. Ingestible clips. All right. Hey, and you know what? Just like we ask you guys to do with us, get on there and uh, uh, you check out the podcast. You like it. Give Brendan a five-star rating on iTunes. Oh, yeah. That helps. I asked for that, too. That's a big one. That's a big one. That helps a lot, and we appreciate you guys doing that for us, too. All right, Brennan. Well, we'll let you get back yeah. to whatever deep research yeah, you're doing. Awesome. A lot of fun. Yeah, man, yeah, man. yeah, it was a lot of fun, right? Okay. Absolutely. Let's do it again Talk soon. All right. Yeah, good to meet you. UFC yeah. commentator Brendan Fitzgerald with us here on Phone Booth Fighting. You smoke cannabis? <laughs> awesome. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought.